0: God bless all of you this morning. So good to see all of you. Amen. Everyone remembered one way or another, we lost an hour. Amen. That's okay. Now we got more sunlight. So, <laughs> more daylight to burn. <laughs> Amen. Uh, At this time, we'll dismiss the the youth hyphen class. Amen. Praise God. Those that are alive and remain, amen. We're going to stay up here. (laughs) Praise God. Let's all stand. As always, I try to iterate this as as many times as possible, but it's a uh, stir-up-your-pure-minds-by-way-of-remembrance kind of thing. Uh, This is God's service. He is present. He has a plan, a purpose for this, uh, for us being here today. We're not here by accident. Uh, We're not here uh, purely simply because uh, we chose to be here. We did choose to be here, and I'm thankful you did. But because you did, God has a blessing in store for you. Amen. Uh, I hope you're here for more of a reason than uh, it's Sunday, and this is what I do. I hope you're here for a better reason than uh, I suppose any reason is fine. I'm just glad you're here. But, uh, but if your reason is because Jesus is here, If your reason is, I'm here because I'm seeking something from the Lord, I'm I'm wanting to contribute to the service, I'm, I'm wanting to receive something from Him, you're going to leave satisfied, folks. You're going to leave possessing what you were seeking. Amen. Because the Lord Jesus is here. And where He is, there is liberty. Where He is, anything is possible. And if we can expand our eyes of faith, if we can open our understanding of of what God is really, truly desiring to do in us and through us at any given moment of the day, we'd be excited about that. We would be excited about what God wants to do. Amen. Some of us, I think, already are. Praise God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's seek His face for direction of this service. I believe I have the mind of Christ, but He is, he is certainly welcome and, and uh, able. He has the authority at any time to interrupt that, to do something else. Amen. We just want to follow after Him. We don't want Him to bless our works. We want to be found doing His works. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, You're an awesome God. We're so thankful for You. We're so thankful that Your presence is already here in this place. We come and we enter into this presence. We come and we enter into the very throne room of God. We're thankful for the invitation that You've given us. We're thankful, Lord Jesus, for all that You've done in us and through us this week. I am so thankful that you have a covenant, we have a covenant relationship with You. You've established that with us. Hallelujah, Jesus. We weren't seeking You we weren't trying to find truth. You found us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for loving, us, for loving us enough to suffer on a cross and die for us. Thank you for loving us enough to continue to work with us. Your long-suffering patience to usward is nothing short of miraculous. I pray for this service this morning and for those present here, those joining us online, that you would move mightily and wondrously and gloriously I pray, Lord, that You would be loosed, that You would be freed into this place, this assembly, the lives of those present here. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that Your perfect will would be done here, that Your heart, all of Your heart, would be manifest in this place. We give glory and honor unto the Lord, the Lord Most High. And these things we ask in Jesus' name. Praise God. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. can already tell my tongue is going to get a workout here. I didn't stretch it this morning. It's going to get hurt. <laughs> All right. Uh, to start off our, our lesson today, uh, I think you probably already have the, the work seats passed out. Uh, if you need pens, uh, please just raise your hand and uh, our usher will get that to you. Amen. If not, fantastic. Uh, The worksheets are pretty self-explanatory, they're pretty basic. Uh, As we go through the lesson, we're going to be talking about the the parable of the talents today. As we go through the lesson, if something comes to mind, I'm going to ask that you just write that down there on the seat. A talent that God has given you, a gift, an ability that God has given you. Amen. And that's really all the worksheet is. We'll pass those in. I do ask that you put your name on there. Uh yeah I know Anonymous is really good but uh <clears throat> i do your best The Lord the Lord will give the interpretation <laughs> Amen <clears throat> So by way of review last week we talked about uh Simon And the woman with the alabaster box. Now, I went on a little bit last week about the fact that the human condition is uh, we're born into this world as degenerate, as fallen. And I want to make sure that I'm absolutely clear, that I'm understood what I mean by that and why I'm saying that. First of all, let me go on record as saying that If you are born again, if you are born again, you are not depraved. You are not that anymore. Okay? All things are passed away. All things are become new. You are not a sinner anymore. Sin does not have authority over you anymore. Okay? But that's where we came from. That's where we came from. We were that. But we're not anymore. And the reason I'm I'm emphasizing the fact of where we came from is so that we understand what a miracle salvation truly is. I think if we understand both sides of the equation, we'll have a much bigger appreciation for what Jesus did for us. The miracle that salvation truly is. He didn't just clean me up a little bit and send me on my merry way. He didn't just correct my course a, a, a smidge. You're basically good, Just you just need a little correction here and good to go. No, no, that wasn't it at all. I was hopelessly degenerate. I was without hope in this world. But Jesus found me. And He changed my very nature. My nature which was depraved. My nature which did hate God, hated God's ways, His laws, His precepts, strove against Him in every possible way but I'm not that anymore because I've been saved. He's transformed my very nature. Something I could never do. Amen. So that's what I'm trying to say, folks. We were that, but we're not today. Amen. Those that are in the world, and that's, and that's something else that, that we realize because of that. There are no good people out there. they are saved people, and there's unsaved people. That's it. God has declared us to be righteous. God has declared us to be holy and just. Amen. And thank God for it. But you're saved or you're not. doesn't matter how good you are. I can do all the good works in the world and still go to hell. Good works aren't going to save me. Good works are a a manifestation of who God has made me to become. It's a reflection of who I am now. But those good works don't save us. Jesus saves us. His sacrifice on Calvary is what saves us. That's it. So if, if someone is not born again, folks... It doesn't matter how good they are. It doesn't matter how righteous they appear to be. They're not going to make it without Jesus Christ. Amen. We also learned that sometimes human beings decide things based on facts, but when things really matter, when the rubber meets the road, facts, uh, belief systems can accommodate. Contrary facts. The guy that thought he was dead. He had two beliefs. I'm dead. The other belief was dead men don't bleed. When one of them was shown to be... uh, Well, actually what this is, is uh, they call it cognitive dissonance. When you have one belief that contradicts another belief. You hold both to be true, and then someone shows you they can't both be true. So then what happens typically is you're going to let go of one of those beliefs. The dead man said, yeah, you're right. I guess dead men do bleed. He let go of one belief, but he kept what he thought was the more important belief. Amen. Simon versus the woman. Simon knew he was okay, he was righteous, he was holy, he was godly. He lived according to the the Mosaic law. He knew he didn't need salvation. He was righteous. The woman, she knew she was not okay. At least until Jesus came and ministered to her need. She knew where she came from. She was hopelessly lost. She knew what she was doing. Everyone else did too. But Jesus loved her anyway. Jesus ministered to her need. Simon was not at all thankful that Jesus was there. He seemed a bit hurried and irritated by His presence. He was there by invitation. But I think, I believe, this is me talking. He was just trying to get information. Who is this guy? What is he really about? And his irritation was reflected partly by not offering Jesus Any of the graces that would typically be offered a visitor into your home. Oil to anoint your head or feet. Water to wash your feet. A kiss and greeting. None of that was offered. It was reflected also in his attitude toward Jesus. The woman, however, was grateful Jesus was there. And in fact, she went to Jesus. In Simon's case, Jesus came to him. But she went to Jesus. And she went to Jesus into an environment she knew would be hostile. But she didn't care. She didn't care one bit because Jesus was there. The object of her affection was there. Amen. The woman was grateful that Jesus was there and demonstrated her gratefulness to Him with her worship. We learned about the parable of the two debtors. The one who was forgiven most loved most. The one who was forgiven little loved little. I think we can extrapolate both of those. The one who was forgiven nothing loved not at all. The one who was forgiven everything loved absolutely, loved completely. Do our choices, our attitudes, our actions reveal to those around us how grateful we are for His mercy? Do they reveal, do they demonstrate how much we love Jesus? Amen. Daily Devotionals. Day one, beware when the enemy under any guise seeks to offer things of this world in trade for your spiritual things. It's never a good trade, folks. I don't care if he offers you the entire world. It's not a good trade. Why? Because this world is temporary. You can enjoy the world for a time, maybe a long time, maybe your whole life. Maybe you got a hundred good years to enjoy everything this world has to offer. And then what? And then you got another hundred years, and then another hundred years, and then another thousand years, and then ten thousand years, and all of eternity paying the price. It's never a good trade. It sure looks like a good trade in the moment. It sure looks appealing. Man, that'd be really nice. Get me out of a bind right now. That's the attitude Esau took. He saw what happened to Esau. He was hungry. I'm hungry right now. I'm going to die. I highly doubt it. He thought he was. So he traded his birthright for a bowl of lentils. Great trade. Confederate money versus U.S. dollars. If you were in the Civil War, at the end of the Civil War, and you knew you knew what the outcome was going to be, you'd keep just enough Confederate dollars to take care of your business, and you'd trade everything else in for U.S. dollars. Because you would know that that Confederate money, that's going to be worthless here pretty soon. And that's just the way it is with things of this world. Everything in this world is going to be absolutely worthless here pretty soon. The only thing that's going to last is what we've done for Jesus Christ. Amen. So then, wisdom dictates that we ought to keep enough stuff, keep enough money to take care of our responsibilities down here and send the rest forward where we can enjoy it for all of eternity. Amen. Day 2, Matthew twenty twenty three 23 says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law. Judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. Simon and the Pharisees were so afraid of being ritualistically unclean, that there was no consideration left for any service they could have offered someone that was in need. They were focused on the legal aspects. And folks, that's the path people take when they're dead inside. It ends up legalism. They're going to focus on the mint and the anise and the cumin and forget justice and mercy and faith. In Christ, there are no untouchables. This study asked a question. Are there people or groups you'd be unwilling to serve? I thought that was a good question to answer in all of our lives. Day three, we cannot know what love and forgiveness will do for someone in need of them until we first experience God's love and forgiveness in our own life. Once we experience that, folks, we ought to be all all the, the more excited, all the more fervent in looking for opportunities for people to experience that in their own lives. I don't think there's any other than receiving the Holy Ghost myself. I don't think there's any greater joy and praying with someone and seeing them receive the Holy Ghost. That's, that's what this is all about. This is what we're here for. Amen. It's an awesome thing when someone finally understands, God loves me. He loves me just the way I am. What an awesome thing that is. And to receive His forgiveness. And to start walking forward in Him we are called to demonstrate Jesus. All of Jesus. Can we demonstrate His love to others? Can we demonstrate His forgiveness to others? Amen. That's part of demonstrating Jesus Christ. Day four, we cannot allow ourselves to become distracted by the behavior of others, but must stay focused on what God desires to do in my life. Amen. I can't be worried about what God is or isn't doing. Now, if there's ministration needed and I'm available, yeah, I want to minister to a need. Absolutely. I want to encourage and strengthen and edify. But, at the end of the day, folks, I don't have any power to do anything for you. The choices that you make concerning your spiritual walk, that's, up to you. that's between you and God. I can't make those choices for you. And if, if God is blessing you abundantly and He's not blessing me like I think He should, I can't worry about that either. I can't worry that God has given you a great big 40-ounce thing of Coke and He just gave me one of these little things. Thank God that He gave me this. Thank God He gave this to me, especially for me. And that's what I need right now. Obviously, because that's what He gave me. Every gift from God should be accepted with gratitude. We saw in the the account that Simon was so focused on the sinfulness of the woman. He was never going to be able to see his own need for forgiveness. He couldn't see it. Day five, according to John Hopkins, I'm just going to read this, what they had in there, because it was really good. According to John Hopkins School of Medicine, studies have shown that hurt, resentment, and disappointment are both emotional and physical burdens. These feelings increase risks of heart disease and diabetes, while also decreasing immune system response. Wow. Sounds like something doctors should be aware of. The longer a person holds on to resentment, the greater the health risks. Similarly, forgiveness improves health by improving sleep, reducing pain, lowering blood pressure, strengthening the immune system, and lowering stress. All without medication. Added by me. When we begin the process of forgiveness, our minds must make a conscious decision to let go of negative feelings. The continual conscious decision to let go changes the neuroanatomy of the brain on a structural level. I found that fascinating. Positive outcomes include improved emotional control, reduced stress, increased empathy, and easier forgiveness. In other words, the more we forgive, the more our brain becomes wired for empathy and forgiveness. Not only is forgiveness a necessity for your soul, but forgiveness is the prescription for a longer, healthier, and happier life. Amen. If you're holding on to bitterness and resentment, if you can't forgive, folks, take that to God. Let Him help you with that. He wants you to forgive. He doesn't want you dealing with all of these situations. Amen. Our lesson today, we're going to find our scripture text in Matthew, chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. Matthew 25, 14 through 30. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability and straightway took his journey then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents and likewise he that had two he that had received two also gained the other two but he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his lord's money after a long time after a long time the lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee, that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine." His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For every one that hath shall be given, and he that hath and he shall have abundance, but from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Amen. Parable of the talents. What's the most amount of money that you've ever seen at one time? I've seen a decent amount of money. Certainly I've seen a big number in an account. But Actual cash money laying in front of me. I remember when I was a kid, we grew up on a hobby farm, and one of our responsibilities was pretty much everything. Uh, That was our responsibility. If it needed to be done, why isn't it done? Go do it. Amen. And we had one year, my dad got especially ambitious. We got 50 chickens, we got a few head of cattle. Uh, And he had, I don't know, maybe five acres of sweet corn. And I think the the garden itself was probably two acres. At least it looked like it. It just kept going. And it wouldn't stop. Especially when I had to hold that that thing. Weed it all out. But my dad told me and my brother that spring, this is what we're going to do. And the more you work at these things, the more you're going to be paid at the end of the summer. All I heard is cha-ching. The more I work, the more I get paid. Well, I'm working anyway. I'm going to be doing this stuff anyway. So I'm going to work. My brother, he he heard something different. (laughs) So if I don't work and don't get paid, that's okay. He worked some, but, but I worked more. And so at the end of the summer, after everything was harvested and picked up and everything, Scott got whatever it was he got, not as much as me, but he gave me a crisp, brand new $100 bill. $100. I'd never seen that much money in my life, especially in one piece of paper. And I was I was. I was swooning. I was like, oh my word, what could I do with $100? This was in the 70s. So, I mean, that was still a little bit of money. What could I do with 100 bucks? I bought a synthesizer, a little synthesizer from a friend of mine. He, he had it. I, I really loved playing with it. So, I went and bought it for him. Uh, and then I bought a chemistry set because that's what every kid wants. Is a chemistry set. I was going to make chemicals and blow things up. (laughs) I could not get one. I couldn't even get a flame going. (laughs) Let alone an explosion. I think they had safety stuff in there. But anyway, I can't remember what else I bought, but, oh, I had a good time with that $100. I'd never seen so much money in my life. In the story, we're talking about talents. One talent was valued at about 20 years' salary for the typical worker. Can you imagine that? One talent was worth 20 years' salary. Wow! Another thing I find interesting about this this account, this uh, parable, is that they were never given any instructions as to what they were to do with that money. The master didn't tell them to do anything with that. just gave them talents and then left. That was it. No instructions as to what they should do. Apparently, they understood some things about this money, though. They seemed to understand that money wasn't theirs. They couldn't just go buy a chemistry set and a synthesizer with it. It wasn't theirs to spend. It was theirs to do something with. When we give our money to an a investment advisor... What do we expect him to do with it? Her to do with it? Go buy a new boat. Go buy a new house. i got all his money now. No! That would be criminal. That's not his money. We're expecting him to do something with it. Grow that. Right? Otherwise, I, I can keep it all myself and not grow it just fine. I don't need your help to not grow money. I could do that myself. They understood the money wasn't theirs. It belonged to their boss. He earned it. It was his. He was free to do with it what he wanted. They were not. They were not free to do just whatever they wanted with it. It was the boss's money. It was the master's money. Not theirs. All right. All of the gifts God gives. Gifts to sing. Gifts to preach, teach, administer. Gifts to easily make friends. To easily make money, work with your hands. All of those things, work with your minds. All of that comes from God. It's His. They're His talents. They're His abilities, not ours. We say that in it, you know modern colloquialism. They're really talented at they really have a great talent in. But what we really at least should be thinking in our minds when we say that, is God has given you such an awesome talent. God has given you such a great ability to do whatever it is. Play the piano. Teach a Bible study. They're all gods. They all belong to Him. So why does He give them to us? To do something with them. To grow them to multiply them. All of the gifts that God gives, houses, vehicles, clothes, food, money, they belonged to God well before He ever gave them to us. And we need to use what He gives us for His glory. Now, we all know that. We all understand that. But sometimes, the lines become a little bit blurred, don't they? How much can I keep for my own stuff? How much ought I give back to the kingdom? That can, that can get confusing sometimes. And a lot of times that confusion arises for a reason. It's kind of like when my kids say, I ask them a question. They say, I don't know. Why did you do this? I don't know. Why didn't you get this done? I don't know. Yeah, I probably do know, though, right? You just don't want to say those words out loud. You don't want to actually confess that this is your problem here. I did that as a kid. Their kids will probably do that to them, said the Lord Terry. Yeah, you do know. Nine times out of ten, we, we do really know... We're not really confused. We're just kind of struggling. This is what I think God wants me to do. This is what I want to do. And there's a conflict there. Now we always focus on money, but it doesn't have to be money. It can be time. I know studies have been done on this. I've seen a couple a while ago. In most people's minds, time is much more precious than money. It is to me. I would much rather have a day off unpaid. I can get some stuff done. Stuff that's piling up. Yeah, time management would probably help too. It could be talent. What are we doing with the things, the talents, the abilities that God has given us? Are we using them for His glory? Are we using them to advance the kingdom of God? Or are we simply using them for our own benefit? Now, can we use those for our benefit? Yes, we can. But, like in all things, we need to maintain a proper perspective. We need to keep things balanced. If we're focused on using them for our benefit... To the expense of the kingdom of God, we got a problem. We have an idol in our lives. If we're putting God's kingdom first, if we're putting Him first, and then after His business is taken care of, we give ourselves the remainder. God's going to bless that remainder. I promise you that. How would you feel if your boss came up to you tomorrow, if you have a boss? Or someone came up to you, opened up a briefcase, and counted off ten thousand crisp one hundred dollar bills, handed them to you, and just rode off to the airport. What'd you think about that? Doesn't say anything, just hands you the money and leaves. What would you do with that money? This is the blessing of the Lord. Now I can afford that brand new house. Amen. What will we do with that money? Three servants. Jesus hinted that just spending time in the Master's house is not enough. Not in and of itself. We're called to invest the gifts God has given us. Why? Because He expects a return on them. He wants a return on those gifts. He gives us, He fills us with raw talent and ability. He doesn't make us the people that we're going to be Someday. We don't start there. But we have, we have raw material that we can work with, that we can shape and mold, and we can give them to God, and He can help us to shape and mold them uh, so that we're fit for His service. We're fit for whatever it is He's called us to do. But the gifts and talents He's given us, they don't start off being super miraculous and awesome, typically. I have seen, I have seen that though. Some teenager just jumps on a piano and just plays like Mozart. I've, I've seen that one time. I've heard about it several times. Stuff like that does happen, but typically, certainly for me, I've had to work at things. I've had to apply myself. I've had to study. I've had to learn and grow, practice. He expects a return on his investment when he returns. The first servant received five talents. That's 100 years worth of salary. Now, he was savvier than most. He wore expensive suits and sipped coffee, hung out with brokers and bankers. Many bosses might have been worried to hand someone that much money, but not this boss. He knew what this guy was capable of. He knew he was promising. The servant traded, bartered, bought, sold, and he earned five more talents. When his master returned, the servant would hand over ten, additional ta- 10 talents total, 200 years worth of salary. The second servant, he received two talents, but he was a little bit different. While his stockbroker servant friend had smooth hands and wore expensive coats, this servant had calloused hands and wore work boots. He knew what seeds to plant and when to plant them. He carried his two talents into town, bought as many seeds as two talents could buy, and then he went home and planted them when the time was right. His work was different from the first servant, but just as valuable. Although he was given less and gained less, Jesus didn't paint him as bitter or resentful. Rather, that he was grateful for the opportunity to invest his master's money and give him a return on that investment. The third servant received one talent. He stood and watched his two friends run into the marketplace to make more money for their master. Surely he could do something to invest his master's money. But he wasn't a risk taker. He carried around an umbrella on cloudless days. Rather than run into town, he walked to the shed, found a shovel, and dug a hole deep enough to bury the talent. He may not have gained, but he didn't lose it either. Surely his master would be satisfied to get back what he gave. Now, the first question that people typically ask, I ask this, why the differing amounts? Why did one, one guy get five, one get two, another get just one? What's up with that? Wasn't that a little bit unfair? I mean, people say it it takes money to make money. So the guy with five talents, he had a head start there, right? guy with just one, that'd be a little bit tougher. Get something going with just one. The master knew each of them. He knew them. He knew what they were capable of. He knew their strengths. He knew their weaknesses. He knew they were different and that they came with their own unique gifts, their own unique talents. He did not underestimate the first servant by giving him too little. Neither did he overwhelm the second servant by giving him too much. Fascinating. It's it's kind of like God knows what I can do. Now, sometimes we don't know what we can do. Sometimes we think we've received too little. Other times, we're a bit overwhelmed and we think we've received too much. But in both cases, God knows what we're capable of. God knows what we can handle. God knows what we can work through. That is why He gave them differing gifts according to their differing abilities. To be a blessing with what they were given. Will we faithfully invest our talents in the Kingdom of God? Now when it comes to this discussion, obviously there are people that are more talented than us. We know that. We don't like to talk about it. We don't like to admit it all the time. Especially especially if I think i got a talent in that area. I'm pretty good at this. Someone comes along and everyone's singing their praises now. Because they're a whole lot better at it. Now I'm just chopped liver. Folks, once again, we can't worry about what God is doing with brother or sister so-and-so over here. We need to be rejoicing. That God is using them so so mightily, the kingdom of God. If if they're advanced, if God is advancing the kingdom of God through them, we need to rejoice about that. I can't get jealous about that. We're on the same team here. We're all on the same team. If He's better at something than I am, thank God. Someone needs to be good at that. Someone needs to be good at singing here, because I I'm not. <coughs> Some people, they want to be good at everything. Fair enough. I suppose that leads to a well-rounded individual. But I don't know if there's enough time in my life to be really good at everything. I, I think maybe, I don't know, that'd be a fun discussion to have, I guess. I think off the top of my head, it'd be more profitable just to focus on, you know, sort up of your weaknesses, definitely. Uh, Get strong in every area you can, but maybe focus on a a few areas. Get really good at them. Especially if no one else around you can do that. That would be good. But, and if I'm better at something than someone else, neither do I have the right to get puffed up or arrogant about it. Because that gift comes from God. And folks, all it takes is one bump on the head, one slip on the ice, and I'm a vegetable. I'm a quadriplegic. And now now that's all gone. Right? God can take it away just like that. If I abuse it, or if I rub it in people's faces, we ought not do that. We ought to be thankful If we're good at something, we don't have to be. We don't have to be, you know. Humble in the sense that I'm just a I'm just a dirty, no good, nobody. You know, I can't do anything. That's not good either, because that's not true. None of that's true. You're not dirty, and you're not no good, and you're not nothing. Jesus died for you. You're a child of the Most High God, and He has given you abilities to be used in His service. You should be good at something. And there's nothing wrong with being good at something. And there's nothing wrong with demonstrating that. Being good at something in front of everybody and let them see that you're good at something. Just don't get puffed up and arrogant about it. Be thankful for it. But don't be ashamed of it either. God's given me this gift and I want to use it. God's given you a gift. You ought to want to use it. Amen. Jesus knows what we can handle and what we can't. He won't underestimate your ability by giving you too little, and He will not overwhelm your ability by giving you too much. Now, how many of us would consider ourselves a five talent servant? Anyone? How about a two talent servant? One talent servant? Everybody else ought to be raising their hand. No talent servant? <laughs> Most people would consider themselves a one talent servant. Most people. But I think, I think some people are in that category of overemphasizing humility to the point where it's not correct. It's not biblical. In any case, there's room in the kingdom of God for all three. There's room in the kingdom of God for every talent. Every talented individual. James 1 and 17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Amen. Every good and perfect gift is from God. Every talent, every ability I have. Every financial or or physical blessing. I'll tell you right now, God has blessed me with good health. I don't take credit for that. I give the glory to God. I don't look down on people that are are sick a lot. Or have infirmities in their body. Why? (laughs) Because one, one word from God, and that could be me. One word from God, and we could switch places. When we're from God, God could heal someone. Amen. But I thank God for that. That's a gift that He's given me. He's given me other gifts, and I'm thankful for them. But I understand they're from God. They're all from God. If God gave you the gift to work on vehicles, how about asking if you can provide a service to people in the church who cannot afford routine maintenance? Is that okay? That's going to cost you some time. That may cost you a little bit of money. But is it okay if we use if I was gifted in, in fixing vehicles, would it be okay if I, if I took that gift and ministered to some needs in the church? If God gave you the, the gift the ability to cook? How about offer to cook for funerals or fellowships? Gift of creativity. Invest that in the church's website. Please God give someone some creativity. Social media. Amen. I like I like brainstorming and I like coming up with new ideas, but folks, I'm not creative. I'm not artistic. Amen. Maybe you know that by now. (laughs) Whatever gifting or giftings God has given you, I promise you that you can use them in some way or another to bless others, to bless the church, the kingdom of God, to advance His kingdom and move it forward. Amen. Their master was away a while, but one day, without warning, he returned. The chauffeur pulled up past the front door, parked between the pillars, and the servants came out to greet their boss. Amen. And this demonstrates, maybe indirectly, the joy of serving. Can you imagine the feeling that was inside the servant that that received the five talents when his master came up and inquired as to his business? Can you imagine the feelings of happiness and joy that he had when he could say, here's your five talents, and with them I've produced five talents more. Can you imagine how that must have felt? His master put his hands on the servant's shoulder, smiled and said, well done. Good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of thy Lord. Second servant stepped up with his dirt-covered hands full. Two talents in one hand. Two talents in the other hand. Master said the same thing. Put his hand on the man's shoulder. Well done good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. You ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of thy Lord. Now, did the master scold the second servant for producing only two talents? Absolutely not. From a strictly investment portfolio perspective, the return on investment was exactly the same. 100%. That's not a bad return on someone's investment. Not bad at all. When Jesus returns, He's not going to ask you why you didn't repair the church furnace if you have no ability to repair the church furnace. If you can barely start your car in the morning, He's probably not going to ask you to do that. He's not going to ask you why you you didn't do something He never gave you the talent or ability to do. What he is going to ask you though is what did you do with the talents I did give you? He is going to inquire as to the state of our business. Were we profitable? Did we take those talents and do something with them? Amen. Our third friend, trusted in himself and himself alone. I understand that feeling. If you've been let down by people, it sure is tempting to just do things yourself. You want it done right, i got to do it myself. Ever hear that? Yeah, there's a reason for that. And I know we've all thought it. I know I've thought it. It's easier short term, but not long term. Long term, that will get you in trouble. Our third friend trusted in himself because he was not overly gifted. He buried his talent and did nothing to bless his boss. What was the boss's reaction? He was angry. He was livid. The servant made excuses for his lack of industriousness, but the master would not accept them. He did not accept any any of his excuses. The master told his servants to take the one talent away and give it to the servant who had ten. And there's the second question people typically come to. Give it to the one that has ten? Why not at least give it to the one that has four? Balance it out a little bit. How is that right? Okay, Jesus is establishing a principle here, folks. It doesn't matter how many or how little talents he's given us. That's not that's not that's not up to us. I can't uh, squeeze out another talent all on my own. If God didn't give me an ability Maybe I should say this too. When I say if God doesn't give me an ability, I can't do that. There are things, God has, God has given me an ability to learn. God has given me an ability to discover and to grow. And so, I could say right now, God hasn't given me the gift of playing the piano. But if I applied myself and took lessons in five years, I could be a competent piano player. Has God gifted me with playing the piano? Someone hears me, and I'd say, wow, God's given you a good gift. What about that scenario? Yes, that's a gift from God. At the very least, He's given the ability to move my fingers. He's given me the ability to to understand music. Chords, all of that stuff. I couldn't do that if I were a paraplegic. Or quadriplegic. I couldn't do that if I were a vegetable. But more specifically, God has given me an ability to learn, to discover, to grow outside of where I started. And I'm exercising that talent. I'm letting that talent produce fruit. Now I can play the piano, study something else. Now I can code software. Do I have a natural aptitude for these things? Maybe, maybe not. But nevertheless, I can apply myself, and I can learn and study and pick up a decent level of skill and ability. I'll tell you what I'm not naturally talented at is the trades. I'm not. I can do drywall today, but that came over a long period of time. There was no natural ability there whatsoever. None. But over a period of time, I picked up this, picked up that, picked up another thing. So there is that. Because invariably, I'm going to hear, well, God just hasn't given me that talent. I can't do that. Maybe not right now. But as you apply the talents that God does has given you, you apply those, God will multiply them. Amen. Use them or lose them, folks. Use them or lose them. You've heard that too. If we don't use the talents God has given us, He may decide to take it away and give it to someone who will. I've even prayed that one time or two. I know they're talented at this. They're not doing anything with it. Why don't you just give that to me? I'll do something with it. If God only gave you one talent, He does not expect you to bring back five. He expects you to take the one talent He gave you and invest it to glorify Him. And bless His kingdom. If He gave you two talents, He expects you to use both of them for His glory and to bless His kingdom. If He gave you five talents, be thankful. Use those talents to point people to Jesus, not just to you. Amen. Luke 12 and 48 says, But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. In modern colloquialism, with great power comes great responsibility. Amen. So, we're done a few minutes early. I want us to take the remainder of this time, if you haven't already, fill those worksheets out, uh, and we'll get those to the ushers. Amen. And this isn't to hold anyone's feet to the fire, folks. I'm not going to come knocking, hey, why aren't you doing this? Not at all.